Welcome back to the Lumber Industry Update. Today I have a treat. I've got a guest with me. I have Niles Kreck of Maine Urban Timber. Hello, Niles. Well, hi. How are we doing? I'm doing quite well. Um, those of you who are maybe hand tool school students um, probably know Niles. Um, that's actually how I got to know Niles. Um, well, Niles was actually a member of the school, but he started restoring saws. He learned to sharpen them. I believe Matt Cianci was the one who taught you how to sharpen. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, Niles and I actually hooked up one time when I was up in Maine visiting my in-laws and filmed a little how to sharpen saws. And he started restoring saws for hand tool school members and Kennebec saws was born and then kind of started playing around with this idea of, of reclaiming lumber and has built a, a Cremona special bandsaw mill and is now salvaging logs um, and, and turning them into lumber. So I guess that's the first thing. It's kind of an interesting leap from saw restoration to uh, lumber guy. Um, as I understand it, Kennebec saws is still a thing, but it's, we'll just kind of call it on hold as we're, you know, as, as you have quickly discovered, there's still only 24 hours in the day. No matter how many yeah. things you take on, um, we don't get any more hours. So those yeah, of you just, who just just sleep less, so got to try yeah, to figure something yeah. out. I, I tried that for a couple of years, and it, it it does work. It does give you some more hours, but it's not particularly sustainable. You start to yep. um, hallucinate. Yeah, a little tired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After about four or five days of working straight through, things bad things happen. So um, I don't I don't think I'm telling you that anything because uh, let's jump into Niles' origin story. But uh, you are are uh, a state trooper, are you not? Oh, I actually was. So I now okay. work for the attorney attorney general's office in Maine. But yeah, so okay. I was for almost ten years uh, with the Maine State Police. Right. So you've, so, you've been through the training and the deprivation and throwing you out in the woods for a while, right? And no sleep. Yeah, it's it's no uh, sleep. Sleep sleep comes once in a while. So, but once in a while it doesn't. So, right. Um, kind of well acclimated <laughs> to that. So that's interesting. I knew you had changed jobs, but for some reason I thought it was like a division of the Maine State Police. So you are. No, it's pretty close. I mean, law enforcement Maine's pretty small anyway, but it's just a, it's a very small office. Only a couple um, different detectives there, but it's a different, different branch. So, but still, uh, still in law enforcement. So I, I bring that up because, you know, I work in the lumber industry and the lumber industry has a, uh, Reputation, shall we say, of, of, you know, you talk to any woodworker and they've got three stories of how they were ripped off by their lumber guy. Well, Niles is is in law enforcement, has spent years in law enforcement. He's an honest guy who upholds the law. So if you want an honest lumber guy, go to a guy who used to be a state trooper and is now selling lumber. There, there's the, um, the magic combination there. So I also can imagine when you find your logs, um, however, we'll get to that in a little bit. I can kind of imagine like the, the mirror aviator glasses as you walk along the side of the log and, and do that best state trooper. You know, you know how fast you were going, ma'am? That type of thing. You know, you know what kind of figure you, you know got there? You know how big this log is? Move along, move along. <laughs> move along. Nice. Yeah, he's a pro, guys. He, he's got the lingo down. So what, what was the – give me the origin story. How did you end up deciding I'm going to start harvesting logs? Tell me about that. Um, well, it's always kind of, you know, you mentioned a, like a strange jump from, from Kennebec saws. Oh, and I do want to back up real quick. So, sure. um, it, it is Ma main urban timber company. Um, I, I add the company to the end cause there is a main urban timber in Maine, um, that's different than me. So I just want to 
put that out there for point. clarification. Sure. Um, MainUrbanTimberCO.com, so, if anybody's curious. Yeah, Main Urban Timber Company. Yep, yep, Main Urban Timber Co. Um, so got to have that company otherwise it's not me so uh, anyway but like is you know when you made a mention about starting to jump from saws into the lumber um I, I did the saws because i was doing woodworking and i wanted to make you know a couple extra bucks to buy a couple extra tools here and there and and then the the saws kind of took over as the the full-time thing pretty much so then i was getting away from woodworking again right. um so then you know that went on for a couple years and now um, basically it all kind of, this side got born out of, uh, a friend and I, which basically now my business partner, um, wanting to build a bandsaw mill, just kind of to putz around at his place. He has a good amount of acreage and decent amount of trees. And so we got the, the Matt Cremona mill plans. Um, and after graduating an adult education course on welding, um, which is my only background in welding, um, I, we started having at it. We actually downsized it because we our mill is 45 inches, which mm-hmm. we, we cut from Cremona's mill um, because we figured, why would we ever need a log that big? <laughs> um, so um, just kind of some, some foreshadowing. And so we, we, we built that mill and built it to specs of 45, like 45 inches, 45 inch log. And we, we get to the point about halfway through and I just started looking. I said, hey, you know, you, you start seeing what Macrona is doing and you know, other people on social media are doing like this is this is pretty cool. It seems pretty popular. Um, you know, so as we as we got talking about, you know, doing the urban urban lumber or any kind of lumber in general outside of, you know, just doing like a small solar kiln for some pine and like I so said, just kind of messing around just to do stuff. Um, we started talking about the fact it's like, well, there is seems to be a market and very popular now. So we have a wide cut mill, um, or at least what we thought was a pretty wide cut mill. And, you know, realized that we have to dry it. Um, so we started looking around at the, the kiln options and that the solar kiln of the original idea, that's not really going to work for hardwood lumber. So, um, you know, it got to the point where we started looking at different vacuum kilns that exist and even traditional dehumidification kilns. And we decided to kind of go all in and get an iDry kiln, uh, vacuum kiln, the iDry standard. Um, and basically, once we had our mill operational, uh, we got ourselves a – actually found on Craigslist, somebody had a – basically an urban, urban wood trailer, you know, the, the log trailer. You can just like, like Macarona has, you got the arc on the back and mm-hmm. use a big old fulcrum, pull everything up. Um, we, we bought that. And uh, the first the first log we ended up picking up um, was a 53 inch silver maple um, <laughs> that was almost 5,000 pounds. And uh, at the time, I had this this like 1990 F150, um, which I never intended to pull anything like that. And we put that on the back of that thing, and I'm surprised it didn't snap in half on us. Yeah. So um, that was that was our first log. We were so Not big to we, mention- couldn't, we couldn't cut it five inches larger than your capacity for those who Correct. are paying yep. attention. The first yep. log was too big. Oh, that's great. Yep. Matt's I've got so, Matt's bandsaw mill plans. His is what? 66, 68. Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's somewhere close to six feet. Yep. Yeah. Um, so had we built it to spec, you know, had to have ever planned ahead a little bit further, would be no yeah. issue. Um, so, but you know, it, 45 in, sounds in, pretty big though. I mean, right, I, I don't is, think anyone still, will blame you for that. I mean, that's, that's it's still it's still a big log. Um, but now we have no issue finding logs that are significantly larger than that. Yeah. Um, so so basically, we you know, we realized um, 
you know, my, my business partner, um, we, we work well together because we're exact opposites. I'm the guy that comes up with, you know, 300 ideas a minute and he tells me which ones are terrible, which is majority of them. And then there's that one, he's like, that's, that's a pretty good one. Um, you know, and then we, we kind of move on from there. And, uh, but we end up, we end up renting a, a space in an old mill in, in Gardner, Maine. Um, we, we moved, uh, the, um, the kiln, the eye dry kiln, uh, into there. And basically it's just, uh, what seemed like a big space. Um, that was like pretty much completely run down on the inside. The owner hadn't used it for 20, 30 years, just like junk storage. It was wet. Um, you know, just cause no one used it and mm-hmm. the rest of the mill is very nice, but it was just kind of, you know, left alone. So we cleaned it all up, got it ready, ran some wiring and started, uh, started drying some wood. So, nice. um, it's just, it's a, you know, fun learning process. We're, we're on our probably fourth load now, um, month and a half-ish or so, um, give or take on the load, depending. Um, definitely ruined some wood, ruined some nice wood, um, you know, trying to dry it, not quite knowing what you're doing, learning as you go. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a fun process and, and people really like it. Uh, so we pretty much sell out everything we have. Um, you know, we just, we're one of the few people in Maine that not only has wide cut, um, hardwood lumber, but also is kiln dried. And there's very few people that kiln dry their slabs to begin with. And if they do, they're usually your traditional, you know, 30 inches or less. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, you know, a niche market for us. Sure. Um, so, and then with the last month or so, we've realized, you know, that the mill that we build is a nice mill, uh, but it's not powered. So it's, uh, it's heavy. There's definitely no, uh, we'll give Matt credit. He, he built that thing strong, uh, designed it very strong. So we, uh, we ended up deciding to buy a, a smaller mill from a company in Maine called Thomas Mill. Um, so that way your, your traditional size logs are more easily manageable. And, you know, so we can actually start doing some more custom cutting. And we also bought um, a Lucas Mill. So now we can cut up to the 76 inch log. Not one, saying yeah. we'll ever get that big. I can't even dry that. But we uh, we picked up some some red oak from a local university that's over 60 inches wide. Um, and then averages four feet. You know the majority of the, the length of the wood. So it's, uh, so we we have pretty much majority of what we have now and keep us busy and yeah. keep us drying some wood. Wow. Okay. Lots to unpack from all that. Um, yeah. <laughs> where, where to start? Well, first of all, um, give me, uh, give me the timeline from deciding you were going to build the Cremona mill to now. Um, cause I remember watching this on Instagram and it, it seemed like, you know, there are fits and starts like every project, you know, you're flying one minute and they like nothing happens for a week, but yeah, yeah. when did you start building the mill? How long ago was that? Uh, the, the mill process took 13 months for us to basically start the mill to stop. And I don't, okay. I don't recall when we started. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the, uh, we, we really like opened our company probably like four or five months ago, okay. like really put a name to it and started saying, Hey, we have a product, sure. um, or, we, or we will shortly, um, is kind of how we started it. Okay. So that's. That was kind of the, the process. That, that kind of jives with my memory. Um, also interesting to hear, because my one of my first questions was, like, did you have any previous welding experience? And you kind of already answered that. So you just took, like, a community college learning NX type course. Um, yeah, that was it. That's um, pretty cool. What about your it business was, partner? It was, nope. 
He's, okay. he's the guy that when I when I finish welding something, be like, "Why did you do it like that?" And then I'd unweld it because I wasn't paying attention, which means mm-hmm. you grind it out and cut it out, and nice. then you yeah. start again. So he was, he was he was a supervisor. It's like, it? yeah, yeah, you know, it's hard to take two pieces of melted metal apart. So yeah, no and that's doubt. that's the uh, the ebb and flow of welding. And well, I I think that's particularly encouraging because you know I I have those same plans, and I remember talking to Matt about I have no immediate plans to do this, but long term, yes, I want one. Um, I don't yep. have land, um, so I, I a lot of other things have to happen first. You know, I've got to buy a house with land that I could actually put it on, and have covenants that wouldn't get me thrown out of the neighborhood for trying to operate it, but. I remember looking through it and thinking, man, I, I'm clueless when it comes to welding. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to need a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of learning to get this, but it, it's yeah. particularly encouraging to hear, you know, you were like me, <laughs> didn't know which yeah, end no, actually you're supposed to point right. at the steel, that type of level of knowledge. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Literally no, 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 yeah. Zero knowledge. I've never welded, nice. picked up a, a welder at all. So, and that was, it was an eight week course you know, right. three hours a week. And that was it. And that's pretty cool. It, you know, it got you enough information to get things going. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, I, um, I remember, um, Mike Rowe, uh, you know, the dirty jobs guy, oh, um, yep. discovery did a special about welding and how it's one of the highest paid jobs in America now, because there are so few of them, so few yep. like certified know what they're doing welders. And I think in the state of South Dakota, there were literally two, in the entire state. And those guys were making like $375,000 a year working like 30 hours a week. And they could just kind of pick and choose because they were in such demand. So, you know, if nothing else, you, you've got that eight week schooling that you can say, Hey, I've actually been trained. You can always fall back on that. So the yep. next question is you downsized the capacity. Did you have to downsize anything else? Like, did you change the horsepower or, or did, was it nope. the exact same mill? Just Narrow. Yeah, just yeah, just narrower. I didn't really oh. change much. I mean, just you know, rather than a fifty-five inch centerpiece or sixty-inch centerpiece, you know, now it's mm-hmm. forty or forty-five or forty-eight, whatever it was. Okay. Um, you know, just just downsize a couple things, and you know, it's probably shouldn't have done that. So, uh, but <laughs> well, you really, know, you could always you know, upsize it. I suppose you'd have to change no, the bed itself. But uh, nope, you know. not doing that. That's not worth it. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we're nope. we're all set up to where we are now. So yeah, I mean, it's you know, for for the cost difference and adding that foot of steel uh, when we built it wouldn't be bad. So, but now with the, the Lucas Mill, you know, it is what it is. Sure. So sure. we'll 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 accept it as now having three mills and living with it. <laughs> that's that's tough having three mills that's you know you, you're gonna find a use for it somewhere and, and like you said uh, that cremona mill is kind of built to last so that's going to always be there um always yep. continue yeah, to it's not going anywhere so then the next question you said that um you looked into the solar kiln <clears throat> but decided that wasn't going to work for for hardwood where was the shortfall with the solar kiln that made you start looking elsewhere well, because we, we started looking at all that stuff, it was just basically, basically us messing around at my, you know, my, my friend's place. So mm-hmm. we were in no rush. And, you know, he, most of the stuff he has is softwoods. So, right. you know, we never thought of it as a retail outlet. And that was one of the big things that we looked at doing or why we did the vacuum kilns. You know, I started looking into vacuum kilns because of the speed, um, right. you know, the advertised speed of what they say you can do compared to, you know, a solar kiln to a dehumidification kiln. And I have a friend who has a dehumidification kiln locally. And, you know, he says he hasn't had the best of luck with thicker lumber. And, you know, you still have, you know, your year, year and a half, two year turnaround, whatever it might be, depending on wood species, everything else. 
you know, and I, I just can imagine sinking that much money into it and saying, hey, I have some sweet red oak if you guys are interested in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. So, I mean, certainly there's a capacity issue. The bigger you make that solar kiln, the harder it is to get that thing hot, you know, because it, you, yep. the, the sun's pretty damn hot, but, you know, you've you got to, to heat up that space and you have to worry about overcooking it. Um, that, right. That's a real issue. Um, I Dehumidification, I mean, the solar kiln is really a dehumidification kiln. It's just the power is coming from the sun. Yeah. Um, it's the same yeah, principle. Um, but, yeah, I, I would just think that, I mean, I don't like drying. We've got, you know, industrial dehumidification kilns, and we don't like anything above 12 quarter. We've done it. But, you know, yeah. the only way to do it is really slow. You know, and as a production yeah. environment, right. it's like, you know, you, you've turned seven kilns next door and the, the 16 quarter stuff is still going. You're like, this is just killing me. You know, fortunately we have right. seven kilns. So the one next to it can turn seven times and the other five can turn seven times while that one kiln is sitting there. But yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and the, the constant, well, in, in terms of a large industrial dehumidification kiln, the energy expense to keep that kiln running 24 seven for many, many months and constantly injecting steam and, and reconditioning the wood, it's it's tough. These days, the the vacuum kiln is really the only way to go for things 12 quarter and thicker. You know, when you get to the really thick stuff, throwing in the RF, the, the radio frequency stuff to the vacuum speeds it up more, but doesn't really, all it does is really change, speed things up because essentially you're microwaving it. You know, you're, you're yeah. heating it from the inside out. So what is the capacity of your eye dry kiln? They, they say 2,000 board feet. And to be honest, I've never... I've never figured out, you know, taking the wood out and then put it all together and figure out, you know, kind of right. how, how many board feet are we getting in there? It's, it's, you know, I, I will say that's, that's definitely the tough part. You know, it's like a game of Tetris every time you load that thing yeah. and, and, you know, every time you load it, you, you figure out a better way of, of, okay, the next time let's figure out how to not unload this thing four times just to get it loaded for a single use. Cause mm-hmm. you, because you know, we we just keep ruin, you know ruining wood, uh, or making ten foot boards and six foot boards, I should say, um, two thousand board feet at a time. <laughs> right, yeah, and, you know that's um, but like like maple, it loves maple. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can take twelve quarter green maple green, like just cut it, and we've done about a month, month, uh, you know, five weeks. Nice. Um, it's sixty eight percent. So and that's nice because we have we have a lot of maple. And the key is so, it's, uh, it's a uniform six to eight percent, right? Yeah, when yeah. It comes it's, out. And, you know, we use the the uh, the dumb horse, the, the big old pro meter, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's 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 nice. Um, so you know, you could probably probably slow it down a little bit. You know, they they do advertise it's the an inch a week. Um, I think that's a little a little shy of what what I can come up with and what other people I've talked to that have it throughout the country. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still pretty impressive what the machine does um, and what it can dry. So it's, but it's, you know, like so I said, just said, learning. It's why, you you it's said about a month for the, the maple? It likes the maple and about yeah, 12, a month 12 is your, quarter maple. Yep. your cycle? Okay, yep. that was my next question. Um, what is your, your thickness there? So um, 2,000 board feet's the volume. What are the actual, like, linear dimensions? Because you said earlier about you know, you've got this new log and it won't actually fit in the kiln. Um, so what are the, uh, 
the square dimensions, I suppose. Yeah, it's, so it's it's 13 feet deep um, from back to the front door. And the, the track, I think you do a little bit over 48 inches. They have a track um, mm-hmm. and they, they want basically it's 60 inches. You, you, could, you could technically fit a 60 inch piece in there. Um, so, but, you know, the, the, the manual says you should do that because you're going to mess with the airflow. Um, but I might not uh-huh. listen to manuals too often. So we, uh, we kind of stack it as full as we can. Um, and that might, that might, that might burn us a little bit and take a little bit longer to dry stuff and mess with the airflow a little bit, but you, you could technically put a 60 inch piece in. Um, yeah. so, and then I think it's 56 inches or so from the, the, the rack, the pushing rack to the top. Okay. So and that's, nice. that's the part that is, you, you really got to plan ahead. You know, you, you see these, these pretty pictures of people like perfectly stacked logs that just happen to work out and, you know, it, and it just, we, you try that sometimes and you realize, well, the top of one log is skinnier than the bottom of the one you want to put on top of it. So now you're going to, your boards are going to warp as we learn when you, when you don't support wood that well. And they all dry out as, you know, it just bends down around the other wood below it. And yeah. like I said, now you, now you make your 10 foot boards into six foot boards so you can get them flat um, and not have a eighth inch piece of wood when you're done. So have, that's, have uh, you, that was Have our, you experimented with stickers to provide a little bit of beam strength? When you have that instance where, you know, your typical yeah, sticker we, is going to be about five eighths of an inch thick, and usually the I beam yep. is kind of the, the standard style. But if you were to upsize that sticker, the the, the real reason I'm thinking about this is I'm, I'd be really hesitant to mess with stickers in a dehumidification kiln because the amount of moisture that runs through and the tannins that leach from a thicker sticker. But because we're talking about a vacuum kiln here, um, I mean it's airflow and sucking out of the air. You're not. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not injecting moisture at all, correct? Nope. Yeah, not right. other so, than what's in there already. Yeah. Right. So it is a dry process, and you know the the moisture is being drawn out because you're you're reducing, you're lowering the boiling point. In other words, by by changing correct. the the barometric pressure, you're lowering the boiling point. The same reason Sir Edmund Hillary had an ice cold cup of tea when he climbed Everest. You know, lovely, <laughs> pip pip cheerio. Here's some freezing tea. Because the, the barometric pressure was so low, it's the same idea. You're causing the wo- the water in the wood to boil off, and the airflow is then evaporating it off. That's the same as the dehumidification kiln, but you're not injecting moisture. So what I wonder is if you could, rather than use stickers, you'll sacrifice a little bit of volume, but use bolsters, like a larger stick that's gonna have its own strength to support that yeah. wider piece on top. We, I'm making we, this we up. Do, I haven't seen this done. No, I'm we, just we, wondering. We, we, actually, we actually did start doing that. So I basically oh, milled okay. out of two by fours just for an easy product to grab, which now they're seven bucks a piece. So I was going to say, it's not bit. exactly cheap anymore. Uh, yeah, I might as well just go get some walnut or something. It's almost just as cheap. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, basically we did just that because um, we, okay. we, we had some beach a little while ago, those 10-foot beach. And, you know, we, we used traditional stickers. We have about one-inch stickers. And we just put them out like a you know, bunch of dopes, and it hung out over the edge. And you get those, you, you, you pull them out the first time, like, ah, oh, crap. You know, you just you see exactly what happened. It just bent over the side because the one-inch sticker is not going to hold up the beach with the weight on top. Right. So, so basically, we went and we just built these 
two by four, like these double two by four stickers and milled them up. So they're nice and square and flat. And so I just did them two, you know, one screwed them in two, two alongside each other and rotated it. So that's the strongest orientation for the sticker, um, you know, less likely to bow. And we, we've made a bunch of those. Um, and something else we're kind of messing with and I dry did on their website um, after I was looking at it. I, I want to take credit, even though they did. I just didn't know they're doing it. Um, but they basically use uh, extension over, you, you know, um, extension springs. So you put a cargo strap around it and then you mm-hmm. have the springs because we were using cargo straps to keep it tight. But that's good until like the first day it's drying. Then all of a sudden now they're loose because you're losing right. moisture content and the, yeah, the wood shrinks. So now it's not tight anymore. So we, we wanted that spring tension. Um, but then we found out uh, another issue is the fact when you put a cargo strap over the load that the the last angle, the last side that the cargo straps over where you're strapping it down, it pulls that corner down. So uh-huh. it's not even equal pressure from one side, from the opposing side to the side you're strapping. Right. So yeah, the ratchet version, side's always stronger. Correct. So version 5.0 is now we bought some quarter-inch tubing that we're going to run across the top and basically strap that across the top, two springs on both sides with straps. So that way when you pull this down, it just pulls straight down. Um, and you have oh, pressure with cool. springs. So that's hopefully... Um, well, I mean, how, how do we solve this issue in the, in the commercial industry? We put more wood in. Um, and here's the unique nature of the slab market. Um, but as you develop more logs, there's no reason that says that you have to all sell slabs. Well, you can't just sell boards. Yeah. Um, so you could get to yeah. the point where, you know, hey, we've got, you know, here's our marquee slabs. And as you assemble them, now you get to play Tetris and say, okay, now I need a six-inch board to fit under here and a four inch board and just start ripping, you know, because then now you've got more lumber, right? Now you've just dried more lumber. And if you've stacked it tight enough so that you've got that, you know, that perfect cube or polygon, whatever, (laughs) you know what I mean? Perfectly filling the the volume of your your kiln um, by plugging in little pieces here and there. um, That should solve it, should it not? I mean... That, that, yeah, that's how we, we do we it just, in the dehumidification it's, world. It's it's the top ones though that you kind of they get a little squirrely because now they don't really have a ton of weight. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, I think you even commented on one of our last loads where you said, "Can you put any more in there?" Because um, yeah. we we did just that. We had some like leftover pieces that you know, like six foot pieces, whatever. So we just ripped them down to four foot pieces, jammed them in the front because we had some eleven foot pieces in the bottom, some nine foot pieces in the middle, and then some ten foot pieces on top. Just how it worked out. So we needed we needed a spacer um, up front to support some of those pieces. Um, so that's what we did. We just cut some pieces, ripped them in there. Um, yeah, and that, and that, and that is a goal too. Um, you know, as we, we try to, um, slowly progress into, you know, um, my, my full-time part-time job, um, is, is where to go. And, you know, I know, I know not everybody likes slabs and maybe someday it's not a thing anymore. Um, right. so what we're looking at doing is slowly expanding into, you know, I'd like to start actually making tables, um, and rather than doing just slab tables, you know, farmhouse tables or thick top tables, um, you know, something I'd like to start doing too. And with the, with the vacuum kiln, you know, I can still dry that 10 quarter, 12 quarter rapidly, you know, pretty quick. Um, and actually start doing the kind of the tree to table process. Um, so that way, if you, if you have that, that tree at your house, like we have a, a family friend 
who um, their family dropped the, the tree in, in, the, in the house that she grew up in, in one of the local towns. You know, it was a tree she climbed as a child and they just dropped oh, it. So we fine. just went, we, we got cool. the wood, we're going to mill it up and eventually going to make it into a table for her. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's going to be. That's where the price tag starts to skyrocket when you've got the story. You know, it's like the reclaimed barn wood. It's, it's worth yep. like $3 a board foot, but it's selling for 28 a board foot. <laughs> <laughs> because right, right. you know it, it has the history and it has that known provenance that's that's the cool stuff right i think the part that people are missing with slabs and why we're seeing that market kind of start to fall a little is you don't have to use it as a slab the beauty of it is you can buy a slab and you got perfect grain and color match and you can get all your parts just like you would plywood you know think of the woodworking magazines and there's that cutting diagram or imposed over a four by eight sheet of plywood you get all your parts and it's all nested nicely into the plywood you do the same thing with a slab you can build that table or that cabinet and all of your parts come out of that and you've got the ability to compose with the grain and really get a cohesive piece so yep. that being said i mean there's no reason that it has to be a live edge you know, in terms of filling right. your kiln, yep. you know, put a straight line rip on there and get it to perfectly fit. In other words, you're you're cutting your your lumber to fill in the spots in the in the kiln, um, rather yep. than filling it with stuff that is not going to be a product. Fill that space with something that you can actually make money on later. Um, yep. The other thing I wonder is sandwiching. Um, well, not necessarily on the bottom because you've got your rack on the bottom, but on top using like a piece of plywood, like get a one inch, not a three quarter, like a full one inch or th what is that? 35 mil? I constantly oh, yeah. Things. I don't know that one. <laughs> well, whatever. Because the, the people that make, that make one inch thick that plywood, well. they generally are marine, um, marine plywood manufacturers and they're all European. Okay. I think it's 35 mil, but that might be three quarters of an inch. I can't believe I'm blanking on this now, but regardless, there are people that make one inch thick marine grade ply. And it doesn't have to be like the highest, you know, high end meant for fiberglassing. It can be a lower quality dug fir plywood, but it's going to be very stable. It's going to be water boil proof glue, which again, it's not that big of a deal in, in, a, in a vacuum kiln, but it's going to be like dead flat. And the beam strength of that one inch thick piece is such that you could put that as your cap and then run your bands around that. Um, the other aspect is a lot of people just have a sacrificial piece. You know, they know that that top layer is just going to get trashed and you just yeah. account for that and you just know yeah. that's going to be and screwed up. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, and that might be phase four uh, as we're on phase three of put some bars across the top, see what we get, you know, and, yeah. and we're hoping we can kind of avoid that with some, you know, with some, some springs and some tension on both sides equally. And yeah. And if not, then that's, 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 that might be the next phase. It's like, well, right. this piece is already going to be screwed. We just haven't got there yet. Yeah, I mean, you could even build so, like a, you know, a half lapped torsion box type thing using scrap plywood, you know, cutting out like three inch wide strips and half lapping them into a grid to create like a torsion box, throw that on top. Mm -hmm. um, all kinds of fun things you can try. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you. You said you wanted to get back into woodworking, so I'm giving you projects to build here along the way. That torsion box is exactly what I was thinking of building, so that's good. There we go. See? Great minds. So we're talking about a month of turnaround in general. 
What is the variation? You said you ruined a fair amount of wood. What what happened? What went wrong? Um, and is it a particular well, species I, yeah. that you ruined more of? I, should, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say ruined. I should say it didn't come out to what I thought I was going to have. So I, I still have some cool pieces. Um, they're just shorter now. So yeah. like I said, well, beach, and a beach was the first slab. one. slab. A really cup slab ripped into narrow strips is a bunch of flat boards. So <laughs> right, yeah, wrong right, with that. and that's yeah. Correct. Yeah. So that's, we, we've definitely done that too. Um, like I said, I, I actually, one of the first things we did, you know, I, I just kept trying to make it into a slab and kept going small. I'm like, nope, we're losing that, that right, you know, 15 inches right there. And then we have a nice board on the left side. So even a halfway decent desk size or whatever, cause they're pretty big. Um, and like beach was, beach was some of the first stuff. Well, our, our very first load was silver maple and, um, box elder and, you know, the, 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 the eye dry directions, um, personally, I think, I think, I think it'd be approved a little bit. Uh, the, the gist is, you know, what they sell is, yeah, you just put it in, hit start, you know, presto in a month you have wood. Um, hmm. that's, that's a little short changing, I think the exact process. And, you know, so the first, the first time we put in stuff, just, we wanted out. So we, we put it in, they hit start, cranked the power as high as it went. And, uh, we got some good silver maple out of it, but that box out there sure moved on us. So and cracked yeah. and split and a lot of it, a lot of it was crotch figure anyways, you know, so you, you're going to kind of, I guess, expect some of that. Um, so like now I had up my website, we sold a couple pieces, but I took the rest down just cause I don't want to just sell something. You know, I want to show you a six foot piece and then you get home and realize you have uh, a three foot piece that's a half inch thinner than you thought you're going to get out of it so um we we have a we have a large cnc five foot by 13 foot cnc so we offer slab flattening services um so it didn't take us long to figure out you know when you look at a board you're like whoa like there's not gonna be much left of that thing until we cut it um so the box other was our first learning and then i said the beach we didn't support that so that warped on us so rather than nice 10 foot pieces and that was kind of it's beach is kind of funky. What other than being super heavy, um, there's just a lot of like bark inclusions and it's just kind of weird stable. pieces. It's got a yeah, lot of weird it's, movement. It's, the TR ratio is really wide, so it's going to move uh, unpredictably. Is the kindest way I can think to put that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, wood. I can see that. Yeah, it's just there's it. a lot. There's a lot of lot of stuff going on. It's cool looking wood. Uh, yeah. but it's just oh, that's heavy too. Super heavy. Um, yeah, so I mean that, like I said, that moved on us because we just did sport. And I've had people tell, you know, I've, I've heard people say beach is a real, real pain to, to dry. So, um, yeah. But yeah, this, like this last, you know, this last load, we just kind of slowed it down, and we had somebody had some elm that we're drying for him. We did a little custom drying, and so we, we just took it real slow. Uh, that's that's part of the thing, you know, learning about is is talking to other people and their processes, things like that. And we have some walnut coming up, which is not very. Um, not easy to find in Maine, especially around us. I mean, we're kind of the middle-ish. We're, you know, an hour north of Portland by Augusta. Um, so there's not a lot of walnut. Um, so we, we have one coming up and, you know, we're just, that's not going to be a month. That's going to get babied all the way through and take it easy and probably add another, you know, month and a half to two months drying it, depending on what the process is, just to just to go slow. So watching the temperature, watching the, the uh, moisture content and, taking it easy well, so just just listen to my last episode um walnut uh, right now is up 22 percent in cost um we hmm. actually just uh, we we often think in terms of replacement cost anytime we quote material we have to factor in what's it going to cost to replace that in our inventory if there's five thousand board feet of, of, of walnut for example going out 
you know, um, and, and say it's going out at eight dollars a board foot. Um, what? How much do we take out of that profit in order to replenish that? So if it, you know, if, say it costs six dollars a board foot, we have to take six dollars right. out of that, you know, because we can't just be void in that in that material because it doesn't do us any good because lead time in the lumber industry is so long. You know, you want to be able to replace that as soon as you sell it, so that the next phone call right. that comes in, you can say, I have that. Crazy thing is, is um, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like, we'll just say replacement cost or the cost of the material being sold was was five dollars. Replacement cost was nine fifty. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> holy crap! Like this is a whole new world we're living in right now. It's just completely unpredictable. Yeah. You know, to the point where a lot of companies are saying, we'll honor a quote for two weeks. Then they said seven days. Now it's down to like 48 hours. You know, you call and you get a quote. We can only honor that for 48 hours because it's so volatile in the market right now. It's nuts. But the one thing you can count on with Walnut is it's going to continue to rise and it's probably not going to drop anytime soon. You know, it'll drop slowly, but it's already a super, super popular wood. The resurgence of that particular species is just nuts. So yeah, take very yeah. good care of that walnut. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That, that's, retirement that's, that's part of the thing. I mean, right. Well, I mean, that's, you know, the funny part you're talking about like, Oh, you have to have replacement. Like I don't have a replacement. Like that yeah. was the one tree that I could find that somebody who's on Craigslist basically, or Facebook was selling it. They basically just got to the point of saying, if you can come cut it, you can have it. And we work with a local arborist. So I called him up like, Hey, want to come cut a, a walnut tree down? Um, so I paid him to remove it and we clean it up and that's what the gentleman wanted. So, um, the basically is have somebody, and it was, there's houses all around. So, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, you could probably drop it. And then the arborist shows up. He's like, there's no way any person could drop this tree. And you know, you have them shimmy up there and do what, what arborists do. And, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's I mean that's definitely the big difference is I don't I don't have a new source. You know, it's it's yeah. when an arborist gets to the point of cutting a tree down at somebody's residence. But you know, we have tons of maple, tons of oak, um, red oak, um, some oh, white and oak. And that's what down I think south. of Maine. I mean, that's what we buy yeah. from Maine is maple and oak. Um, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Some yeah. New, some northeastern white, um, but yeah, walnut. No, I think the furthest north I go for walnut is New York. Most of that's like Ohio, yeah. Pennsylvania. Ohio River Valley. Yeah, that's, that's the walnut. Yeah, it's stuff. nice. So. Yeah, you, you see them. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's just some guy with a you know walnut tree in his backyard. That's right. pretty much where oh. we got our walnut tree from. But like right. it's I mean, it's yeah. funny though. It, the second I post that online, like literally on the trailer, people are like, oh, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Yeah. Like we we we've got a little bit further to go yet. Like I'm literally not even home with the log yet. Yeah, I, so, I'm already yeah, scheming. Right. How can I use my connection with Niles to get some of that walnut? Right. They're, they're already they're already lining up. So I mean, it's good size. We have I think it's nine nine feet, nine and a half foot, twenty nine inches wide for the for the base um so around here i mean you see some of the stuff people have out west you're like good gracious like you can park a car underneath some of these trees yeah Um, well you start getting into the claro species and that's a whole other um, ball of wax very big tree so that's that kind of brings me to my next question is is how you're going about sourcing this are you i mean do, do people it sounds like homeowners are calling you as well um yeah, we, pretty we, much just we, through the arborist, through the tree removal companies. We 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 tried we try to figure out what the best way to do is we started, but we, we ended up just doing the arborist route. Um, 
because like an example of there's somebody on Facebook that, that was selling a red oak that they even said was over a power line for $3,500, uh, which is, you know, it's, and they said, cause they found oh. the value online. I'm like that's a standing yeah, tree. No. And it, you know, no, that's not a $3,500 tree and it's over a power line. So no. Um, so then that's, that's the issue is people's value of what a tree is worth. Um, you know, is, is, so uh, they they is, Googled how many board feet are in a log. They found the log to board foot calculator, and then they found the co- the board foot cost of red oak and multiplied. Right. <laughs> you know, there's Probably another calculator. Right. Yeah, with you a, need to go to that same website. Right. right. Yeah, the, no, it's, the, it's, the website that has that log to board foot calculator also has a calculator below it that says the, the, the value of the log and it's usually like pennies per board foot in the log form, yeah. you know? So yeah. if, if that yeah. calculator says you have 3000 board feet in that log, which is, that's a bit much. So then you have 3000 yeah, pennies <laughs> basically. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, that's, and that's what we started looking at too, is I started talking to some of the local foresters around us, you know, and, and, and they're basically, I asked them what the heck they do with their 40 inch logs. And like, well, we sell that for pulp. But anything yeah. in this area, anything over 26 inches, they have to rip in half first with a giant chainsaw. So, you know, so we, we work with some local arborists and they're, you know, some of the guys we work with, they're happy to get rid of it. And we, you know, cut them a deal. But we also we're also picking up and disposing of 5000 pound logs. They no longer have to pay someone to come pick up. So yeah. it's kind of a, you know, everyone benefits. They don't have to spend hours cutting up a log that, you know, most even pulp trucks can't even grab and pick up. Um, so one of the ones we picked up from the, the, the local universities buys was a 9,000 pound red oak. So that's that, that massive one we've got to cut. Um, wow. but they're just, they're, they're big and heavy. Yeah. So, no um, so yeah, I mean, that's the tough part with it, with yeah. it, I said with the individual person, now when you try to deal with them is, you know, they, 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 they don't, they don't understand the process of taking that, that tree that literally the standing tree to the board and, you know, the cost and time and energy and expense and everything goes into preparing that. And, you know, a lot of times they just want too much money and like, that's not what we're doing here. So, um, yeah. so actually that's where you end up working with arborists and it seems a little better. I actually, I actually work with a guy a lot of times who, the, I work ahead. with a guy who used to, um, fell trees he had a tree service and yep. uh, the insurance was so much that he, he eventually ended up closing the business and kind of it wasn't you know it's not nearly as sob story as it sounds it was more kind of okay this phase of my life is done i'm gonna do this now he's in the lumber business but he just talked about you know the, the insurance was such because it was one of the most dangerous jobs that you can do oh, yeah. is fell a tree <laughs> so yep. yeah, the sheer cost of actually cutting down and taking that tree down. And the fact of the matter is that the safest way to take that tree down is not conducive to lumber. You know, the safest way is right. to yep. bucket on the way down. You don't want to drop that entire log. You've got buried power lines, you've got plumbing, you've got all kinds right. of stuff that gets shattered when you drop a big log like that. And it's very, very dangerous at the same time to do it. Yep. So yeah, most of these guys are, you know, cutting it up as they go down because you're right. The, the, the next stop is a pulp mill, you know, and they want it bucked right. into pieces. And that's the only way they can get it into the back of their dump truck is with, you know, those small cookies or whatever. 
That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's the nice part too. You know, after working with some of the arborists, we, you know, found some that we work very well with, you know, they, they, they start figuring out what it is we're looking for and they do what they can to keep them big. You know, we have some, we picked up some Norway maple from a house in downtown Portland, Maine, you know, so there's very, very nice houses all around each other and they have a massive crane to pick them up. And he's like, sorry, he's like, I would have, would have tried to get you some bigger pieces, but you know, the crane is beeping and hollering over here. So like, that's as, as much weight as it'll carry. So, you know, it gets, so once in a while you get some five foot pieces when you wish you could have had eight foot, um, yeah. you know, it, it is, it is what it is. So yeah, and, that, it, and that same tree had a, uh, an old laundry line, um, like a big old metal, um, you know, I guess the turning wheel when you put the laundry line out that oh, was yeah, embedded yeah. in there for probably 20 years ago. So we're gonna have to cut that one out from that that same same house. So it was a fun part of urban urban lumber. Right. Well, I, I have to admit, middle. I I do laugh a little because to me, Maine and urban are a bit of a contradiction in terms. But uh, you know, I suppose there are some at least like areas. four cities. So that's not not bad. It's all, it's all relative. It's all relative. It just makes me so. laugh. I'm, I'm, I'm a main tourist, so what do I know? You know, I mean, I go to the areas that are sparsely populated, and then I, like, head up into the territories and, you know, go hang up in, in the county or whatever. That That's my picture of Maine. I, I don't – I haven't spent a lot of time in Portland. I ran a 10K in Portland. That's about as much time as I spent in Portland. Um, and that, yeah. To me, yeah, we, I think – We get a lot of our – we get a lot of our trees from Portland, so that's, that's, that's plenty urban for around here. So, so we talked about you know, you know Nora maple, silver maple, um, box elder, oak. Um, what other species are you seeing up there? Especially as they're coming out of yards, yard trees are, uh, could be anything. Black, black locust. Uh, well, see, that's and that's the thing. Something we're trying to do is expand into like actual municipalities. Like Portland has an awesome collection of trees. It's incredible, yeah. and they're all labeled. They they have a map of every tree the city has. You know, so they got they have crazy trees. Um, so it's just getting into that network, and they they even have their own arborists. So sure, um, yeah. you know, and so we we try to work with them a little bit, and you know, they even admit that they don't do anything with them; they get chipped too. So, and I mean, in right. Portland has their own sustainability office, like it's literally kind of like their thing. Um, you know, the city and. Uh, so it's just it's just kind of funny, but it's, it's probably just government at its best um, trying to do stuff and doesn't get that far. So yeah, uh, one wonders yeah, I mean, though, just, as someone who works for the government, um, you might have an in. I don't know. Maybe it hasn't worked so far. So I'll let you know. <laughs> Still working on that. Yeah. No, I um, I do no, know we, of people that have had success with that by tapping into the municipalities um, because there are trees you know, that are on city land and they do have to be removed um, because they just get old. There's also trees where they have specific replanting um, procedures and, you know, the, like the volume of trees taken down in a typical municipality is just staggering. And right. they're, they're yeah. all replaced, but it's all part of all part of their, well, really their silvicultural plan. Most of these, they have a, you know, right. the reason they know all the trees with the map on them is because that's that's called silviculture. They're at, they know what they're planting and they know that there will be a time when that has to come down. But I know several folks in the Midwest primarily that have had success. Um, the good news is it's a cool story to tell, you know, from a well, your your website right on the front page. It talks about um, what is it? Uh, carbon sequestered, board feet salvaged, weight diverted from the waste stream. That's the type of stuff. Yeah. That's the green sustainability message that a municipality just loves to say, hey, we partner with, you know, urban logging companies to make sure that our trees that are taken down are, you know, being listed here and there. And 
I imagine that's, that's quite that's a my sales pitch. I don't know. Well, no yeah. one calls me back, so. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, it is still a relatively new thing. I mean, and when yep. you are well, start like talking that. about government... It's the, the one, the one arborist I, I dealt with, and I won't say which city, but I, you know, I, I approached him, and and he sent me um, basically the Baltimore study on it. So he already had all the information. Well, basically, it's the same thing. Baltimore City was was you know saying, hey, we have all these trees. What do I do with them? And they made their own urban lumber program. So he was yeah. like, oh yeah, that's really cool. And then we, you know, we tried talking multiple times, and it just dies. So yeah, I, you know, I loved it. And they they. You know, they're definitely aware of it. Um, but I think it just gets to the next step of, hey, can we do this? And then, you know, and now granted, you know, COVID and everything else and yeah. uh, slowing yeah, things down. And, but trees are still coming down and no one's doing anything with them. So what kind of capacity would you have for logs? You talk about this mill that you guys are working in. Say, say it works. That's the one thing I always yeah. talk about in marketing is what if it works, you know, and suddenly the yeah. phone's ringing off the hook. Can we logistically supply sure. the influx? So if, if, if the city of Portland, for example, says, okay, let's do this main urban timber. Here are 27 locks, you know, yeah. what could you handle something like that? Do you have a, a place for a log yard? Um, so main urban timber company got out of the company. Sorry. Um, sorry. So, right. so that's actually, that's funny thing. That's why I haven't uh, gone back to said city and, you know, keep knocking on their door until somebody answers because that's the exact issue. It's like, Oh boy. So we, we measure our capacity in time, not so much board feet. Um, cause that's okay. what we, that's what we deal in. And you know, that's, that's definitely our biggest issue. And that's why I haven't been too pushy and saying, Hey, you know, we all like it. Let's do something. Cause I'm concerned everyone all comes in at once and says, yeah, here you go. Here's 500 logs like oh i can take four of those so and then no one wants to talk to me anymore so yeah it's, yeah. it's an interesting balancing act for you know a full-time part-time job of, of how you deal with that um and actually one of the things we're going to look at this year is maine has a, a grant um, we're going to put in for for basically recycling um, organic material to get a um a, a gooseneck um, log trailer for my truck so that okay. way we can actually pick up a larger capacity and, and transport but we are so you know, my, no, my business partner, he has more property than I do. He has you know, like 40 acres. And that's one of the things we, he actually just found out. He has a swath of land he didn't think was his. Um, so it's a nice open area. It's actually, it's perfect because it'd be, it's like a perfect little log yard. Um, we always thought like, oh, it'd be nice to have that. And then he found out it was his. So, so all this time he's been, he's been yelling explain. at the neighbor. I wish he would cut the grass yeah. on that lawn. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> Whoops. What a bum. No one mows that. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's interesting because um, so, I just got into this conversation with Matt on a, on a recent episode of Wood Talk about, you know, you have to be careful of the relationships you make because suddenly they're like, yeah, here, come take some logs. And when you can't consistently take it off their hands, it sours the relationship. Like, you know, right. hey, Niles, you said you're going to help me out here. You know, you took four logs and now you won't come back, you know, and that actually ends sure. up yep. hurting you in the long run because you can't right. consistently work with that person that's that's a point that i don't think a lot of people think about yeah and now that was part of the issue too like with it with our big mill i mean that was actually like one of the exact scenarios we had is you know we said we we're going to go pick up some wood with one of the local arborists um and and it was you know uh 
elm tree and we basically picked up the bigger pieces but we didn't take the smaller ones because we knew it'd be a real pain and we didn't specify that before so we you know we should have made that clear but like now we have a you know traditional size mill so we'll just grab it all because now it is more feasible now we're looking for lumber also you know so we can do the 10 quarter 12 quarter stuff um you know it's just as we grow we you know our capacity grows a little bit we have that ability to do that and we also realize what ticks people off on accident so you know so we uh, try to improve upon that and keep people happy um but yeah, I mean, that, that is the tough part with, with the arborist, you know, when you work with them, they, they don't want to log sit in somebody else's yard uh, for a week till we go pick it up because it's their name still attached to that tree yeah. until we come pick it up. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a big timing thing and getting there and get it quickly. And, um, you know, it's, especially get these silver maples that are 50 inches round. Like I can't pick up more than two of those at a time, you know, at best right. uh, with a log arch trailer. So that's why, so we're looking at this fifth wheel with an actual grapple so we can go grab multiple pieces um because the winch you know that's the downside of that winch without without modifying it further which you need to do is the the log arch trailer the winch it shoots straight out so if you have a 40 inch log that's going to go right in the middle of that log you can't go up over it um so it gets in its own way so you just you just reach capacity real quick without doing another point of contact for that when should go through so this is this is like a whole new world of heavy and a whole new world of big you know you don't yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't really realize like how heavy your tree is and yeah it, yeah yeah it's it's crazy we actually, stuff. We actually bought we bought an old crane um we bought it as a 1969 silent hoist company crane um because we we have these four thousand pound logs and even you put them on, we're basically, I don't know if you ever watched one of the videos of Matt unloading one of his logs before he has a little skid steer. He'd basically mm-hmm. put a snatch block to the back, um, on one side of the log, run the cable out and around the front of the log, and then hook it to the back and it would just slowly push it off. And that was, I mean, it kind of worked. Uh, we, we tried to drag it off the, the um, my... Uh, bandsaw mill but it literally dragged the bandsaw mill towards the log like the log was by <laughs> far heavier so that didn't work so then we were able to push it off and then it was on there that was it like you're not moving that thing you're not rotating it if it's wobbly too bad deal with it like it's, yeah. it's a four thousand pound log what are you gonna do about it so we, yeah. we bought this old this crazy old crane and that's thing that thing's the coolest best tool we have um because you can you can move them now we, we cut the top off one log you just rotate it flip it um and then now that's that flat part's on the bottom and 3,000, 4,000 pound log. No deal. It took that 9,000 pound log. It wasn't impressed, but it did it. So that red oak we had. So okay, and, uh, um, Do you have pictures of that crane on your Instagram? Oh, yeah. Oh, you can't okay. miss it. Oh, there it is. There so, it is. Oh, that's so cool. Say, <laughs> How did I miss it, that? And that's been in Maine its whole life. So it's, it used to be at old pulp cool. mills and... We bought it from a used uh, uh, equipment sales guy, a couple of towns north of us, and couldn't. Yeah, it's that that thing is an awesome piece of equipment. So, so the question I live is, in a given it too. So my my neighbors love me. They they enjoy my crane and my sure. sawmill and my driveway. So <laughs> have, have you given the crane a name? That's the important part. What do you, what do you call the crane? Wait, I, I haven't. I haven't yet. It says uh, I think it says safety first on the back or think safety. So people people enjoy that. Very nice. So, so I guess the, the, the last question that I wonder is, um, I was talking about this a couple episodes ago. Um, shoot, I do too many podcasts. A couple episodes ago of one of the podcasts I do. I don't know what it was. But um, have you thought about air drying material? Because the bottleneck in your, in your production process yeah. is certainly the kiln. 
but there's no reason why you can't air dry and then I dry um, right. later. Um, or yeah. tap into the niche market of air dry. I know personally, I love air dried lumber. It's fantastic work with, with hand tools. Um, since you've got three bandsaw mills, it seems like you can saw a lot of capacity. It seems like there's enough logs right. out there. Um, why not just start sawing boards, stacking and stickering and, and air drying, especially if, you know, your partner has the land, um, yep. you know, as long as you keep them covered and you, you level on the stack, um, seems like that might be the next iteration. So now you're offering not only kiln dried, which is unique, especially in slabs, but you still have the air dry capacity. Have you, have you thought about that? And, and yep. is it possible? And that's actually, we were actually, we we're actually just talking about that last night. So one of our big things, you know, with being still a very young company is we're playing catch up and we're learning so many different things at once. Um, mm-hmm. So as we get ahead with one thing, we, you know, screw something else up and kind of start over. So that, that is something, you know, we're looking for this spring is to really now with, with, we, we no longer have like, Oh, what am I gonna do with that log? That's 15 inches beyond our cutting capacity. Like now we can cut everything. We can pick everything up. We have the ability to do we have the equipment now we have some of the knowledge base um we're starting to get some of the you know room to do it um so we're really going to start make a big push this spring to actually cut this stuff and actually have it air dried especially too like you know if i rather than putting something in green which i don't even know what the moisture percentage is because no meter goes above 40 um Is, is, you know, if I put it in at 30, at 25%, I'm, I'm knocking a week or two off. And that's yeah. that's a whole another cycle or two a year. Um, well, it also so, yeah, so dramatically reduces the stress. Um, I know we air dry yeah, right. everything before it goes in the kiln. Um, and yeah, we, and that's what a lot of people are doing with the eye dry, talking to them. They're, they're, they, yeah. you know, they, they try to do four or five, six months ahead of time. And I said, yep, yeah, someday I'll, I hope I do the same thing too. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, just, the, the we, kiln we just itself becomes... It becomes like a finishing step at that point. You know, yeah. you're almost there. You could pretty much sell it, but stick it in the kiln for a week, and it right. you know finishes the we whole thing just, off. We actually just put stuff in that we we've had from our first load. We had some poplar that was uh, my partner's stuff. So and we had some um, just some other silver maple pieces and some pine that somebody brought to us and decided not to pick up and said he was all set with it. So all this stuff was, you know, very low teens. It's just been sitting in our shop. And so we're like, Hey, well, we, we don't have the red Oak load going in next. Um, so we, we just filled that up and just turned it on and we're running it this week and it'll probably be done. Um, cause it's all that stuff's, you know, seeing how everything else drops and this is all thinner stuff too, thin material, six quarter at best probably. So we're just running it through and, you know, uh, we're going to dry it and probably good in a week. So, yeah, and, you know, that's definitely something we're doing. We just we just got to get there. And it's currently 15 sure. degrees out, so it's cold right now. Um, so we're a little little behind on cutting, but we have a nice – some red oak I going just, in this next next kiln. It's been air drying uh, for a little bit. I heard Macromona's eyes roll when you said it's 15 degrees outside. That's too cold to do anything. Come on. It's it's Maine. You're supposed to be hardy. It's just cold. I, well, I am, but my heater inside is really nice. So it's <laughs> right. We're given the option. Sure. Right. Well, I'll tell you, I, it, you know, with some of the pine that I've seen coming out of the main woods, um, if you can start cutting eight quarter, maybe nine quarter wide pine slabs, just call anybody who wants to build a Windsor chair. And now you've got some yeah. blanks, yeah. Um, which continues to be a difficult thing to source. And the beauty there is you can cross cut them you know, into 24 inch links. So you end up with a 24 by 24, eight quarter to nine quarter white pine slab. And now you've got a Windsor chair seat. And there's just, there's a market right there that can be stacked in a corner somewhere. 
and you want to mm. talk about drying fast. If you've cross cut them yeah. into, you know, cut them at 30 inches long, those suckers will dry so fast and you can stack them uniformly, weight them so that they won't cup on you. And there's a whole new product line that, by the way, can be shipped. Just... Yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> well, and I might I might steal Matt's idea, too, of um, the Rubo. Um, yeah. Yeah, bench, bench tops because like I said it, it loves it loves silver maple um, I just sure. haven't got that far and I, I thought of it first too he just created it first and marketed it first yeah. and did all that like, I was there I was there but well but it, it's a trend and bringing this back to the lumber industry this is a lumber industry update it is a trend in the lumber industry as a whole because the internet has democratized lumber greatly we used to be a very strict distribution channels and you had wholesalers and retailers and the internet has opened that up to, to anybody and everybody. And the margins on lumber have always been razor thin. And where the lumber yard or the sawmill is, is keeping their head above water and continuing in some instances to prosper is by adding greater value transformation into that. So, you know, we take that log, you saw it into boards. The board is still a raw material. And raw materials are constantly, you know, drive that price down, drive that price down. It's the people downstream that are turning that raw material into something that are really seeing the margins because of the, the value add that comes from that or the specialized yep. skill that comes from that. So more and more lumber yards, and the one I work for in particular, we don't actually sell that much rough sawn lumber anymore. We have a lot of rough sawn lumber. We have about 8 million board feet of rough sawn lumber on, on the yard, <laughs> but we you know, maybe in a given week, if, you know, 20 trucks leave the yard, 18 of them, or excuse me, two of them have roughs on lumber and the other 18 have something that's been milled. Um, in other words, we're actually creating parts rather than selling raw materials. And more and more of the lumber companies that, that I sell to are doing that, where they're actually making a product and it may not be a finished product. In some instances, it is a finished product. Some companies are just running those boards into decking material. So it's an S4S, E4E product, and it's being yep. put down as a deck. Or they're they're cutting cookies and being sold as stepping stones, or they're being sold as tabletops. Um, and, and, you know, go back to that, that Windsor chair seat blank idea. You are essentially turning a log into a product that is ready for a Windsor maker to start saddling right away. And it right. makes it a heck of a lot easier because you're going downstream and you're increasing your margins as you go downstream in the supply chain. So there's a lot that can be done there. And the more you start thinking about, you know, we have this raw material, what would people want to do with that raw material? And you've already started with the slab, with the slab flattening because that's the first thing. You know, what do I do yeah. uh, with right. this 40-inch wide thing? And, you know, I joke all day long about I have a joiner plane. That's all I need. But... Using a joiner plane to flatten a 48-inch slab is a, sounds a hell of a lot like work. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, that's a lot of work. So, yeah, th that, that's the one thing that I would encourage you to think about is, is how can we transform what we have into something that is more accessible to a larger number of people? And by actually making, you know, custom sizes that fill a need, like a Windsor chair seat or, you know, that's all I can think of right now for some reason. Um, there's a bunch of other ideas, I'm sure, but you already, you're the idea guy. Come up with that stuff. Because I do think that is the future of the lumber industry. The, yeah. the, the, the supply chain as it existed 100 years ago, actually existed five years ago, because it was about the same five years ago as it was 100 years ago, that's not sustainable. 
and we've moved to an Amazon world where you order everything just in time and you expect it to show up next day overnight and by right. the way, shipping is free. Um, that is how a lot of customers are choosing to buy lumber now. Um, and we have to be the ones to tell them, look, we need lead time on this. Like this material has to be developed. We actually don't have that much material in stock or we have to then saw it into boards. We have to rip it. We have to grade it. We have to dry it. All the things that have to happen before that product can be used, can be made into cabinets or whatever. And the, the solution has been, why don't we make cabinet parts? And why don't we sell the parts that then some carpenter or cabinet maker or whatever, you know, or home builder can just slap it up a siding and, and go from there. And I think that's where everybody is having to move. Otherwise, the margins are just too razor thin and you will always be in a situation where there's not enough time. You know, sure, there are logs, right. but we couldn't possibly take all the logs because we still have to saw them into boards and they still have to be dried and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Parting, yeah, parting thoughts, uh, I think. Yeah, and that's, you know, kind of the, the slow ideas, you know, kind of like you're saying is if when that phone call comes and says, I want all this or come pick this stuff up, can I keep up? So that's why I'm, I'm trying to be methodical with the, the slow expansion of what we're doing. And like I said, the, the up and coming month, uh, we're going to basically in the middle that we're in um, almost double our space. Um, there's a company that's moving out of the spot that's basically a budding wall. And I'm going to bring my wood shop that's in my garage right now down there. So that way I can actually start expanding and make you know tables make furniture for people so yeah. as as needed because now i don't have the ability to do that I, I, I can't bring a slab or even a large tabletop home um you know and, and do that in my garage i just don't have the physical room to do it um right. so so that yeah that's well, the next it's step too cold yeah. to run the mill you might as well be doing something in the wood shop right yep with a heater because it's warm so very cool yeah yeah well, so that's that's, that's, that's awesome. the plan well, this is particularly exciting. As I said, one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to you is, is because the business is so young um, and you're also kind of benefiting, well, a lot of us run into this with the internet now. There's so much information out there um, and you can very quickly come up to speed, um, but then you also can very quickly get overwhelmed and there's this learning process along the way. So I think it's particularly interesting to watch just how far you guys have come um, in such a short time, but just how much further you can go. I think that's particularly exciting. So yep. that's awesome. Yeah, we're excited. Well, um, I think I think we can wrap it there, but just to, to kind of sum up, folks, it's MainUrbanTimberCo.com. Not Main Ember Timber, Main Ember Timber, or Urban Timber Company. Um, yep. There's uh, some incredible pictures on their Instagram page. The website is quite well done, although I will say you have to update the fact that you have a greater sawing capacity. It still says you can only saw 45 inches, but, you know. Oh, Oof. Yeah. Well, we'll update that tonight. There you go. You got to get right on that. Um, but yep. as far as, you know, somebody who's interested, I don't think you guys ship, right? How could you? Um, it's, yeah, it's local um, pickup, we, we right? haven't got that far. I mean, it, I think it's going to be very cost prohibitive. One yeah. of our first loads, somebody from Florida said, hey, how much you ship that? I'm like, you probably double the cost of that slab and then add some money to it. And I think you'll be getting close. Like, oh, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, sorry. It's it's just, I don't, we, we have to get there eventually. We just aren't. Um, yeah, understandable. So, um, you know, and it, it may be a, there's another product line idea. Um, I remember talking to the guys at Bell Forest about this specifically. And, and they were very keen to say that, yeah, we could bring in 10-foot boards, but we can't ship them, so we just don't. Um, or everything, if they bring in boards, they want them to be in multiples of six feet because they can ship six feet. So they either buy six to seven-foot boards or they buy 12 to 13-foot boards, you know, and 
because that's yeah. what well, every, everything we would do would be some kind of freight, you know, and it's, it's yeah. a less than full load freight. So you're going to pay out the nose for it. So yes. I, like I said, that's why I just I just haven't gotten that far yet because it's. It'll, it'll be very expensive if someone wants me to ship something. So we just. What I find particularly interesting, though, is um, like if we go to your website and you look under the shop, like <laughs> there's almost nothing there. Like you sell out almost no. as quickly as this stuff goes online. So. Yeah, that's, that's why people keep saying, it's like, oh, do you have anything that's not on your website? Like, unfortunately, not. Like, we, this is our, we've already have this, is our third loadout, and I haven't started putting stuff out yet because we're just haven't physically uploaded stuff yet. Um, it's only been out for a couple of days, but people are like, dude, do you have anything else? Like, I, I, I don't like they're just, it's yeah. just gone. Um, That's pretty cool. Cause That's we, pretty cool we, we use like a lot of stuff, Facebook marketplace and, you know, just kind of do a generic ad and people, they just keep snagging it and go. Yeah. yeah well, so, I mean, into that respect, is it necessary at this point to actually consider shipping? But, you know, I think right. um, yeah, for point, those that are. You know, New England is a relatively small place for so for the listeners that are in the New England area, um, Maine Urban Timber Company is somebody you might want to look at, but you also probably want to move quick because these things are moving like hotcakes. So yep. very cool. Tell people, sign up for our yeah. newsletter because they say we'll send out an email blast when new stuff's available so you can get the first crack at it. So because otherwise, yeah, take I long. think I I saw something like a popover that like jumped up and said like a PDF no, yep. on. Uh, on why to use slabs or something like that. So, yeah. yep. How to anyway. buy? How to buy a slab? There you go. How to buy a Don't slab? Ride. That's what it was. Very cool. Very yep. cool. The marketer in me loves when I see stuff like that. So, totally anyway, worth well, it. Worth signing up right there. <laughs> <laughs> Niles, I do appreciate the time. Really interesting stuff. I was particularly interested to talk about that eye dry kiln, and um, I, I think. Uh, I might need to connect with you again in the future on that because this is something that I get a lot of questions about and I, I just, I don't have the experience with it and because they are generally for operations like your size um, and I'm used to working with companies that are quite a bit larger, I, I don't know too many people who are using it, but I do find it particularly interesting that it's not as plug and play as they make it seem because I didn't really believe that anyway. So I'm kind of glad to hear that my suspicions were correct that there, there's a bit of a learning curve there um, and it's important yeah. to recognize you know, that you can't just buy a kiln and shove lumber in and hit go and come back later. So, oh, you can, stuff. you can, <laughs> you can, but then you just made fire. 10 foot boards turn into six foot boards. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, but then, then you can ship those. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Just what I was around. looking for. <laughs> anyway. Well, again, thank you, Niles. Um, if, if, you know, anybody has questions, they can reach you on your website. Um, check out Niles' yep. Instagram page. Lots of fun stuff. Check out the pictures of the crane very cool and uh, i tell you what once this covid thing ends i'm going to be heading back up to maine i'm going to come visit because uh i gotta come i gotta yeah. come i want to come drive the crane let's just put it that way oh, you betcha all right well thank you so much and uh you have a great evening oh thanks appreciate it uh, having me on